How's everybody doing today? We want to welcome everybody out today, let you know we're happy to have you all here today. Today is the last week of our series on the book of Ephesians. And uh, Alan spoke the first three weeks, um, I spoke the last two weeks, and I will be done. Coming for the next four weeks, we have Mike Dinius and Nathan Gill that are going to alternate. A little young blood up here. And uh, they're going to be talking about signs. And uh, basically they're going to be talking about how you look and how you recognize God's direction for your life. And they're going to be using different road signs uh, as their as kind of their guide, like yield. Is there something God wants you to pay caution to? Is there is there a merge where He's trying to merge His will over yours? Or is there a stop sign where He's saying, you're headed in the wrong direction? And so, I, guys, I encourage you to come out for that and excited about that. The month of October, Tim and I are going to be talking about fear. And it's going to be fear or faith. Those are your two choices. But anyway, today, we're looking at the last topic that we want to look at in the book of Ephesians. And I decided that we wanted to want a main theme in the book of Ephesians that we should talk about is maturity. In Ephesians 4, it talks about this uh, very clearly. If you look in your notes in Ephesians 4, verses 11 through 13, this is what it says. It says, So Christ Himself gave the apostles, the prophets, the evangelists, and the pastors and teachers to equip His people for works of service so that the body of Christ may be built up until we all reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of the fullness of Christ. In Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1, it says, Therefore let us move beyond the elementary teachings about Christ and be taken forward to maturity. Guys, when you read the New Testament, maturity is a very constant theme. The passage that we just looked at in Hebrews chapter 6 is preceded, and we're going to read those verses, or I'm going to read them here in a little bit, where the people are told, hey, you should be mature by now. You should be teachers by now, and you're not. And that's why he's telling them, leave the elementary teachings and going on to maturity. In Ephesians that we just read, it is telling us that the different roles in the church, the evangelists, the apostles, the teachers, and their purpose is to equip people for works of service. And the goal of that is so that we can become mature. And so guys, maturity is, is a theme that you see in the New Testament. Now if you see in your notes also, I've, I've pulled up the Greek word. That's not usually my style. That's more Alan's thing. And so uh, I'm not going to try to pronounce the word, though that's a simple one. I'll, I'll just stay away from it. But if you look at this word here, it's, 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 it means to be brought to completion, fully accomplished, fully developed, fully realized or thorough, complete, entire, as opposed to what is partial and limited. In other places where it's not the same word, is translated as perfect. Or, and what it means is perfect in some point of character. It's the word that Jesus used when He told people, therefore be perfect as My Father in Heaven is perfect. It's also translated perfect in 1 Corinthians 13 when they're talking about the gifts and they say when that which is perfect comes, when that which is mature, that which is complete comes, the gifts will be done away with. And so guys, I want you to understand that. 
It's this idea of complete. Consummate. It's this idea as opposed to being incomplete or only partially done. We've talked about in recent weeks where God is trying to complete something in us. Hey guys, we want to realize that. That's maturity is what He's after. I don't know about you, but that's kind of attractive to me. The idea of being thoroughly equipped. Okay? I don't like the idea of perfect because it just sounds kind of unattainable. But I do like the idea of being brought to completion, to being a point where God wants me to be. Now when I talk about maturity, I think we have to understand, I don't believe as long as I'm in this body, I'm ever going to be done maturing. Alright? Um, I look at it, I view it as more of a direction or a process that I'm submitting to. Not a level that I get to and I'm done. You know, I use the illustration, I'll talk more about my, my, my children in a little bit, specifically my two sons. Because both of my two sons, I can point to very specific times in their post-high school life, <coughs> post-teenage life, where they made a very clear decision. I don't know how conscious both of them were of it. They, they got it, came to it at different times. But where all of a sudden, they are maturing. You know, they quit looking out just for themselves. They're not just about what they want. And I'm very fortunate to have both my sons work for me. Um, or they did, until my oldest son got a real job. But I've had the privilege of doing that in both of them. For Jonathan, it was in the middle of his sophomore year. And I texted him uh, a message just encouraging him, saying, look, I really appreciate what you do for me and you've become quite the asset that I can rely on. And he you know, texts me back very quickly, says, thank you, because that's what I want to be. And you see, guys, now if anybody knows my son Jonathan, I don't think you're going to say his maturity is complete. <laughs> is that fair to say? There's still areas of his life where he is still growing. He is still maturing. There's no doubt about it. Him and his wife Emily were at our house last weekend. And I had, you know, I had a little bit, just a brief little conversation about, son, you still need to learn you can't do all the stuff you want to do. You are married with a house and a job. And we had to have that conversation. And so, but I have no doubt. I'm very proud of my children and the maturity path that they're on. And so guys, I want you to look at that and, uh, and talk about that. But you see guys, you need to understand something. When it comes to following Jesus, maturity is not something that just happens. It doesn't just happen with children either. But it doesn't just happen. Let me read this passage to you in Hebrews chapter 5. It says, beginning in verse 11, it says, we have much to say about this, but it is hard to make clear to you because you no longer try to understand. Okay. In fact, though by this time you ought to be teachers, you need someone to teach you the elementary truths of God's Word all over again. You need milk, not solid food. Anyone who lives on milk, still being an infant, is not acquainted with the teaching about righteousness. You see guys, what's going on there is these people have been believers for a period of time. And that's why the writer is saying, by this time, you should be teachers, but you are not. And so guys, when we look at this idea of maturing, 
and this maturity that we talked about in Ephesians 4, you need to realize it does not just happen. But, you need to realize, and this is the first thing we want to talk about, is that maturity is God's goal for every believer. You see, there's so many times, and we've talked about this when it comes to living by the Spirit earlier this summer. We talk about that we have a choice. Living by the Spirit is a privilege. The Holy Spirit is a gift. But whether you walk by it on a daily basis, whether you're led by it in your decisions, in the words you use, is your choice. And the reality of the situation is the same is true of maturity. I don't believe it happens by accident. It is a very deliberate, but you need to understand that maturity is God's goal for you if you are a believer in Jesus Christ. Okay, look at these two passages here. The first one's in Colossians chapter 1. It says, To them God has chosen to make known among the Gentiles the glorious riches of this mystery, which is Christ in you, the hope of glory. He is the one we proclaim, admonishing and teaching everyone with all wisdom, so that we may present everyone fully mature in Christ. The Apostle Paul, the man who wrote the majority of the books in the New Testament, he's telling Colossians that, listen, this is my goal, is to present you fully mature in Christ. He's doing that because that's God's goal for you. In James chapter 1, beginning in verse 2, it, it, it says something very similar. It says, Consider it pure joy, my brothers and sisters, whenever you face trials of many kinds, because you know that the testing of your faith produces perseverance. Let perseverance finish His work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. You see, guys, that is what God's after in your life. Too many times. This is a very popular passage. Used quite often. You need to consider it pure joy when you're going through difficult times. But oftentimes it's just thrown out there as this is the way you should be without realizing why you should feel such joy. And why you should feel such joy is because God is working to bring you to maturity. That is His goal for your life. My daddy used to say a lot of things. Still does, actually. But one of the things he told me as a teenager is, you'll understand when you have kids of your own. Okay? I'm sorry to say he was right. In many ways. And guys, but I, I can tell you, as a father, my dad tells me all the time, I'm proud of you boys. I'm proud of you boys. I'm proud of you boys. And I know that feeling now because when I look at my kids, I see them growing up. I see them maturing. As I talked about earlier with, uh, with my boys specifically, they've crossed a line. Um, that, that it's very clear. I know when it happened or approximately when it happened. But uh, it was very cool. This spring, my son and his wife bought their first house. Now, one of the things I've learned about kids is they watch what goes on very carefully. You know, when Jonathan turned 16 and the arrangements we made to make to get Jonathan a vehicle, Jordan and Jesse started thinking, okay, this is how they're going to treat us when we get 16. We're going to get a vehicle the way they did. And they even started saying, this is the one I want. They also looked ahead 
at my in-laws, Susan's parents. Uh, they've done very well for themselves in business. And they've loaned us money on a number of occasions. They've loaned their other two children money on, you know, to the mortgages for their house. We had a 3% mortgage while everybody else was paying 6 to 7 And they've done this. They loaned us the down payment for our first car wash. And I believe it was Jesse one time that said, you know, they set the bar kind of high for you. You know, they're looking ahead. This is what you're going to do for us. Well, this, this spring, you know, Jonathan, they buy a house. And I was looking ahead based off the bar has been set kind of high. I was looking ahead because that's what I do. What are my kids going to expect? How am I going to handle it when my kids want to buy a house? You know, are they going to require down payment? Am I going to have to co-sign? I'm going to have to guarantee the loan. I'm going to have to buy it and put it in my name and you know, we'll transfer it to you later on. How are we going to make this happen? That's terribly exciting. Jonathan, in March, he was getting tires on the company van and he decided while he was waiting on there, he marched into the bank, applied for a loan, and ended up buying, which resulted in them buying their house. Do you know what was required of me for the purchase of that house? Nothing. <laughs> he stole my line, man. He set the bar high for them now. Because it was just exciting. I didn't have to loan him money for a down payment. Or I hadn't given him money for a down payment. I didn't have to co-sign. I didn't have to guarantee. I did nothing. Guys, that's very exciting. That's very exciting to watch. It's very exciting to see. And it is a joy. Like I said earlier, Jonathan's still got a lot to mature on. But what I want to tell you is, guys, that's the way God, when He looks down on you, that's what He wants to see. He wants to see that kind of maturing. Okay, not with physically buying a house. That may never be included in your future. He doesn't promise you that. I'm just using it as an example to go, the way I feel about my kids and watching them mature is how God wants to look at you, wants to feel about you. The question is, does He? See, that's his goal. That's the goal for me as a parent with my children. This afternoon, my wife and I get to babysit Will Alford. You ever know Will? Cute little Will. Cute little kid. Okay? He's going to get to come stay with Uncle Gary and Aunt Susan while Brian and Jafer, incidentally, are trying out for family feud. And it's a very it's a very cool deal. I mean, Will, I, I specifically have chosen to be involved in his life. He has no grandfathers at all because uh, fathers and stepfathers of both uh, Brian and Jafer have passed away. And so we, we made a conscious decision to say we'd like to be more involved in his life uh, to, to fulfill that role. And uh, they don't call me Grandpa because Susan doesn't want to be Grandma. Yet. Uh, we're Uncle Gary. but But he... It was so cool, a couple of weeks ago we are in our group and I hold up Brian a picture on my iPad of a piece of equipment at one of our car washes. And Will looks at it and goes, car wash. Okay? Don't ask me how he figured that out. Well, I'll get to that. What we discovered was, shortly thereafter, Jafer opens up her mouth and she shows us what she's taught Will. Okay? And she asked Will a question. And the question is, where does Uncle Gary keep his money? And Will says, at the car wash. <laughs> Guys, that's cute. That's great. 
I bought a tent with a tunnel on it that we're going to play in this afternoon. Okay? My goal for Will, and Brian and Jafer's goal for Will, isn't that 20 years from now, he's answering the question, where's Uncle Gary keep his money? Okay? And it's the same way with you folks. God wants to see your progress. God wants you to be moving forward. So that leads us to the question, how do I become mature? If it doesn't just happen, what do I need to do to make it happen? The first thing is, you need to know that I become mature when I desire to be mature. It does not just happen. you got to want to, is the O-Indian phrase I like to use. But I will tell you, you can express a desire to mature without ever using the word mature. That's one of the really neat things, I believe, about the Bible and about a relationship with God, that He doesn't lock you into one way of doing things or one way of thinking. I believe my maturity began to take place and I got on the path of maturity before I even started to recognize it. And But one of the things I did, how I expressed that, was that in my prayers, me and another brother that prayed together on the phone during the work week would begin to pray, God, I want to be the man You want me to be. And that was just our phrase. There's other phrases in the Bible that you can use where it's just like, I want to be like Jesus. To consciously say that, not only to God, but to other people around you, especially other believers. You may want to say, I just want Jesus to be the Lord of my life. You may say, I want to be godly. You may say, as is coming up, I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to be led by the Spirit. Okay? I don't know how many of you are on Facebook. I read a story this week. I kind of went off on Facebook last week a little bit and talked about a lot of the negative things about Facebook that I don't really care for. And uh, But I saw something on this week, and most of you know I rarely comment, but I commented this week. Okay? I commented on something because it was very cool. And it was a post by Brian Gill. And I didn't ask your permission, Brian, because you've already thrown it out there to the world, so I get to talk about it, okay? The way this works. But Brian made a post about good things going on in the world, and she talked about first something very simple about uh, the waitress. bringing They left their leftovers or to-go box inside, and the waitress ran after them, brought it out to their car. You know, uh, Matt and Brian have two young children, age one and two, is that right? Almost three? Yes. And another one's on the way. You haven't heard. But anyway, they're they're very busy lives. And uh, and they're driving down the road. The kids are late for their nap. The youngest one, Meyer, is fussy because he got his shots earlier in the morning. And do you know what Matthew has the gall to do? He pulls over to help a car that is stuck on the side, I guess it's stuck in the middle of the road, isn't it? From the pictures. And he helped, he ended up help pushing it off. Some other people helped push it off as well. And she's just talking about the good things. But in the middle of this story, she's talking about, you know, how she was feeling because the kids need their nap and she wants to get them home and Meyer's fussy. And she says, fortunately, I listened to the Spirit and kept my mouth shut. You see, guys, what she's, what she's doing is she's expressing a desire 
to mature. Whether she realizes it or not, that's what it is. And that may be the way you express yourself. I have a variety of terms like that. That is one right now. I pray about all the time. I want to be led by the Holy Spirit. I want to walk in the Spirit. I want to be full of the Spirit. I want to be conscious of the Holy Spirit's leading me in moments just like that. So guys, I don't know what, if you have that desire or not, but I'm asking you to look at that. You see, look at this passage here in Hebrews chapter 5 and verse 14. It says, but solid food is for the mature who by constant use have trained themselves to distinguish good from evil. And guys, if you, if you like to underline things or circle things, you need to circle trained themselves. You see, because what it's saying is maturity is the result of deliberate action. And you don't take deliberate action unless you want to do it. Have you ever found somebody that lost weight and got in shape and said, how did you do it? Oh, I don't know. I just started exercising one day. I couldn't figure it out. You didn't decide to do it? No, I just got up and started exercising instead of eating cereal. That's not the way it works, guys. You have to desire to do it. Now, before we go on, I just want to throw something out here. I was always a fan of uh, Jeff Foxworthy's Redneck test in the old in the old days. I'm showing my age, but I wanted to come up with what I call signs of immaturity. You want to know if you should desire maturity? Let's talk about some signs of immaturity. The first one is I do not consistently read my Bible. That's what it says here. It's talking about solid food, and they're talking about the Word of God, who's described as our food is for the mature who by constant use. Especially if this is all the Bible you get for your week here on Sunday morning. It's a good place to start. But if you are going to mature the way God wants you to, you've got to be constantly looking at His Word. Constantly applying His Word. Constant use. And I just want to encourage you, you don't have to take out big hunks. I mean, I think reading the Bible through is a great thing to do. But I can tell you, my constant use has at times resulted in me focusing on one verse of the Bible for weeks or months. Now, it wasn't the only thing I focused on, but it was constantly coming up in my life where I had to choose my actions based off of what God said. That's number one. Number two is, I primarily pray for my perceived needs. You're praying for things that you see you need as opposed to... And I'll talk about what that's like later on. Anyway, number three is, I don't consciously look for the Spirit's leading in my life. When we spoke about the Holy Spirit earlier this summer, that was one of the things I, I encouraged everybody to do was to begin acknowledging that you want to live by the Spirit. You want to be full of the Spirit. You want to be led by the Spirit. And I even ask you to let you know to let God know, to let those closest to you know, and to begin talking about that amongst yourself. And I also asked for you folks to let us know, Tim and Alan, myself, if you've made that decision, if you've moved forward. It wasn't a requirement, but we just would like to know. We we like to have a pulse of what's going on around here. 
What are you thinking about what we've had to say? How many people do you think let us know? One. Now, that's not to say that others didn't make the decision, okay? I just want to be clear. But only one person decided it was worthy to let us know about. And so I've got to have the question, guys. How many people went out of here and just simply forgot about it? So anyway, guys, that's that second. Um, if you cannot tell you tell tell any script or if you cannot tell me what scriptures right now you're being challenged to live in your own life, I believe you should be able to at any moment of your time, if you're on the path of maturity, somebody needs to ask you how are you being challenged to obey God more, and you're able to whip off. I think three is a good number to start with. I'm being challenged how to love my wife the way Jesus loved the church. I'm being challenged to tell the truth because I've learned that I tend to be deceptive or I lie. I'm being challenged to be generous because I have a tendency to be greedy. And you can put Scriptures to all those things. If you can't do that, you're on a path of immaturity, not maturity. Uh, and the last one, or two of them I want to talk about. One is I'm more focused on activity than I am on character. Now, one of the things very clearly is, guys, is that when you're focused on your character and your character maturing, you will be active. Okay, that's why Matt stopped to help somebody out. But if you only focus on activity and involvement, and that's, this is the big danger with organized church. I don't know how else to put that. That you get more focused on the activities of the church than you do on the Word of God actually changing your character. So which are you more focused on? And then the last thing, guys, if you want to know if you're on a path of immaturity, is you're the same person you were in the past. If somebody comes up from your past, from five years ago or ten years ago, they see the same person they saw then. Okay? You can't point to anything such as, hey, I used to be an angry person, and now I'm a patient person. I used to lose my temper, and now I walk away. I used to be greedy, and now I'm generous. I used to be depressed, and now I'm joyful. You see, guys, those all show up to other people. So the first thing is you, you, you've got a desire to mature. The second thing, guys, is I seek God's help. You want to know... What kind of prayers to pray? I listed three scriptures there. One's in James chapter 4 and verse 3, where it says you don't have because you don't ask, and when you ask, you don't receive because you're asking so you can spend it on yourself. The other is in Luke 22:42, where Jesus is in the garden and he's praying, Not my will, but yours be done. And the third is in Matthew chapter 6 and verse 10, where Jesus is teaching us how to pray. And He said, Your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. You see, because that starts with, you don't pray that prayer and not try for His will to be done in your life. And I just want to, I just want to throw it out there, guys. I remember plain as day, last, I believe it was January, Bob Hawkins was up here with the campus group. And I don't remember what your topic was, Bob. I don't remember at all. But I remember one thing that has been with me on a very consistent basis. And Bob says, prayer is not to get God's will to conform to mine. 
Prayer is to get my will to conform to His. You see, now, what's that all about? Well, it's like what I was talking about earlier when I was saying sign of immaturity is you just pray for your perceived needs. Gimme, gimme, gimme. Change, change, change. Why, why, why? See, if that's the characteristic of your prayers as opposed to God change me. God help me to fulfill your will in my life. See guys, that's what, what we talk about when we talk about praying there. It's aligning your will with God's will for you. First thing there is when you seek God's help, you pray. The second is you get to know Him. You get to know Him. If you have your Bibles and you want to open them up with me, um, I encourage you to open up to Luke chapter 8. The rest of the lesson is going to be focused on what we characteristically know as the parable of the soils. I'd like to read the whole parable beginning in verse 4 so that you know what we're talking about. I'm not going to assume that everybody knows this, though it's a very popular popular uh, parable. Beginning in verse 4, it says, While a large crowd was gathering people and were coming to Jesus from town to town, He told this parable. A farmer went out to sow his seed. As he was scattering the seed, some fell along the path. It was trampled on and the birds ate it up. Some fell on rocky ground and when it came up, the plants withered because they had no moisture. Other seed fell among thorns which grew up with it and choked the plants. Still other seed fell on good soil. It came up and yielded a crop a hundred times more than was sown. When he had said this, he called out, Whoever has ears to hear, let them hear. His disciples asked him what this parable meant. He said, The knowledge of the secrets of the kingdom of God have been given to you, but to others <coughs> I speak in parables, so that those seeing they may not see, though hearing they may not understand. And he goes on and he says, This is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the word of God. Those along the path are those who hear, and the devil comes and takes away the word from their hearts, so that they may not believe and be saved. Those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a while, but in the time of testing they fall away. The seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, but as they go on their way, they are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not mature. But the seed on good soil stands for those who with a noble and good heart, who hear the Word, retain it, and by persevering produce a crop. You see, guys, the Word of God isn't just there as a bunch of rules. It's not just a bunch of laws that what you need to follow. All right, God doesn't just throw it out there, obey these, and you'll be in good shape. Don't, and you'll be in bad shape. Though He does say those things, that's not all it's for. God literally wants you to get to know Him. Maturity is part of that. When my son told me. He wanted to be an asset to me. It's because He knows me. 
He knows what my needs are. He wants to be of aid to me. He wants to show appreciation for what I have done in His life and for what I'm doing in His, continue to do in His life. And guys, it's the same with us and God. That's what it says in verse 11 and 12. So this is the meaning of the parable. The seed is the Word of God. Those along the path are the ones who hear it, and then the devil comes and takes away the Word from their hearts so that they may not believe and be saved. You see, guys, if you're going to get to know God, you've got to be in His Word, and you've got to hold on to it. Every one of you today is being exposed to the Word of God. Literally, seed is being thrown on your heart today. The Word of God is being thrown on your heart. And the truth of the matter is, what Jesus has to say, is some of us will walk out the door and that Word of God will never come to our mind again. We have a decision to make. Because you don't have to be that way. Okay? If you're wanting to mature as a follower of Jesus, you've got to get to know Him. Third thing is I refuse to quit. Why do I have that in there, guys? Because let's face it, following Jesus has some challenges, does it not? Look at what it says here. It says those on the rocky ground are the ones who receive the Word with joy when they hear it, but they have no root. They believe for a little while, but in time of testing, they fall away. You see, the truth of the matter is, guys, you will be tested. You will be tested. How does that work? Well, great example. Brian was tested. When her husband decides to pull over and to help somebody in need, she is tested. Is she going to really be led by the Spirit? Is she really going to put the Word of God into her life? Or is she going to throw a hissy fit? That's my word, not hers. But you understand what I'm saying. Just looking at her own needs. Or is she going to be concerned about the needs of someone else? That was a real moment. And the truth is, as a follower of Jesus, we get a lot of those, don't we? I used to look at this parable, and my focus on this parable was that this was all about people becoming Christians and whether or not they would become a Christian or not. And that is in there. But the whole idea that I had in my head was, if you are tend to be this, this rocky soil, this rocky ground that they talk about, if you make it past this time of testing, you're okay. The truth is, you are tested all the time. And you have to decide, am I going to move forward or am I going to quit? If you are going to mature, you have to have a, the posture that says, I will not quit. The fourth thing here is that I eliminate distractions. And I may camp here for a while. Because guys, this, this third category, what I call a thorny soil, is I believe where the majority of believers of Jesus end up. We believe, we don't fall away, but we don't bear the fruit that God wants us to bear. And I believe that's the biggest challenge that we have in our life. Read the passage, it says in Luke chapter 8, 14, it says the seed that fell among thorns stands for those who hear, <coughs> but as they go on their way are choked by life's worries, riches, and pleasures, and they do not 
mature. I love the way it, this, it's called a parallel passage and Mark 4 puts it. It says the desire for other things come in and choke the Word. You see guys, the truth of the matter is the difference between the good soil and the thorny soil is good soil pulls the thorns out. Digs them out. That's what I believe is going on here. I believe in your life it is much like God told Adam it was going to be in Genesis 3. He says you're going to have to go work the ground for your food. You're going to have to sweat. And the ground is going to fight you. Is literally what he's saying. He goes, it's going, you're going to work it and it's going to produce thorns and thistles. And what's that mean? That means when Adam saw thorns and thistles, he should realize that's part of this territory. It's part of the process. The way it is. And the way it is, as long as you live in this world, until Jesus comes back, you are going to have distractions. You are going to have things that fight for your attention. That you fight for your focus. And guys, they're not all bad things that fight for your, fight for your focus. I was just talking with Mark Landon. Mark owns a business. He owns Halpin Music over in Alton. He also owns a branch. He has a store down in Centralia, Illinois. And we were talking and he says, I've got to streamline some things. I'm working way too much. And you see guys, I respect that. I love that. But the truth of the matter is, do you think we need to streamline our lives sometimes? I just think of flat out busyness when I think about this. You know, what distracts you from really letting the Word of God bear fruit in your life? You know, a very common example for me, and I've shared it before, is the radio in whatever vehicle I'm riding in. Anybody else like the radio? It's great. Years ago, I heard a preacher tell me that the TV is the chewing gum of the mind. I believe the radio is the chewing gum of the mind while you're driving. Okay, what does that mean? Well, when you chew gum, you chew it. You have the same motions and actions as if you're eating, but it does nothing for you. Nothing wrong with chewing gum. It just doesn't do anything for you. Okay, and it's the same way when it comes to listening to the radio for me in a vehicle. While I am listening to the radio and enjoying the music and singing along, I am not thinking about how to obey the Word of God. I'm not focused on how I can be a more mature Christian. I'm not focused on the Word of God bearing fruit in my life. Now fortunately, I've gotten to the point where I can turn the radio off. Sometimes I turn it off as soon as I turn it on because I realize this is distracting and my mind needs to be somewhere else. Hey guys, You've got to look in your life and say, what's there? What needs to be cut out? What needs to be streamlined? I am constantly looking at how much time I give to work. I know there are seasons of work. Just like the farmer, the fall harvest is coming up. And farmers are going to be in the fields. Some of them are going to be in the fields literally 24 hours a day because they want to get their crops out while the temperature's good. The same happens in the spring when it comes to planting. I believe that happens in our life, in our work sometimes. But the question is, can you shorten that season? Guys, what distracts you 
God's wanting the Word of God to bear fruit in your life. And what distracts you from doing that? The last thing, guys, is that if I'm going to become mature, is I have to persevere. The distinguishing characteristic here between the good soil and the thorny soil is maturity. That's what it says. Maturity is what does not happen to the thorny soil, and it's also unfruitful. The good soil, it's fruitful. But it gives a very clear characteristic here. It says, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble and good heart who hear the Word, retain it, and by persevering, produce a crop. You see, guys, maturity takes time, but maturity takes more than just time. It takes doing it over and over and over again. In the Bible, there are multiple stories of individuals, men and women of God, who God says, this is what I've got planned for you. And then there's a period of literally decades before that plan takes place. And in every situation that I look at, there's a development that goes on. There's a persevering that has to go on. This went on in the life of Jesus. For 18 years, we know that He knew at the age of 12, He was the Son of God. And He was to be about His Father's business. It tells us that. And then we know nothing about Him till age 30, except it says He grew in favor and stature with God and man. You see, guys, God even expected His Son to be in what I call the grind of daily life and persevering to let the Word of God bear its fruit on a daily basis. Constant use, repetitions. So guys, as we close out today, I'm just going to ask you, where are you at? Do you see yourself on a path to maturity? If not, what needs to take place? What do you need to do to get on the path? Are you the same as you've always been? If people look at you, do they see something different? Or do they say the same weaknesses, the same thought patterns, and the same actions? You see, guys, I'm talking about character, not activity. Do they see the same character now? Do you see the same character now? Or can you honestly say, no, I'm different. I'm maturing because of the Word of God in my life. Let's pray, and we'll be done, guys. Father, I just want to thank You for... I thank You for Your Word, just being so plain. Father, maturity and immaturity isn't something that we, we generally think about or like to think about. Father, because if we want to choose maturity, we're, by the very fact that we're choosing that, we're acknowledging immaturity. And none of us like to acknowledge it. Father, but You've, you've made it so plain in Your Word. You want us to be able to see that and to recognize that. And Father, You want us to be mature. You want, you're calling us to something very specific. Father, I want to pray right now that anybody in this room that considers themselves a believer will just really do a real heart check and a real gut check to say, am I mature? And they recognize that that is what You want for them. And Father, I encourage them to let You know, to acknowledge that they want Your will to be done in their lives by moving on a path of maturity. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen.